to the MPO Sports Podcast, and we're here to talk about the sports since our last episode, probably about three weeks ago. I'm joined by Aaron. G'day, Tim. How are we going? Good, mate. Good. Um, the Blues aren't going too well in the last couple of games. But... No, we uh, had a bit of a stumble, but all in all, things are probably not too bad. Yeah, no, look, I'd sooner be on them than Adelaide. And over to Jeremy, who's also joined us, and um, he's been happy tonight with his cats. Yes, yes, yes. You could, I was pacing down your lounge up and down your lounge We are just watching the cats, as you could all see us, but uh, ended up scraping out a win. Yeah. Yeah, well, I must say I was quite happy um, Saturday, even though I was torn between two games, one being Melbourne City's win over Sydney and the Saints putting away Sydney as well. So it was good to beat Sydney on both accounts. So, anyways, um, I'll hand it over to Jeremy um, to lead us into our first yeah. topic of discussion. Yeah, well, yeah, we've got a bit of boxing coming up, boys. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've talked much about boxing on the pod before. Um, Tim Zhu's, Tim Zhu, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Jeff Horn on the 26th of August in Townsville. What can you tell us about that, Woody? Uh, well, the reason we haven't spoken about boxing before is there's been no boxing to talk about, but... Um, Look, this is actually a big fight in terms of Australian boxing at the moment. Um, you got Jeff Horn, obviously, who previous world title holder beat Manny Pacquiao a few years ago. And Tim Zhu is obviously the son of Kostya Zhu, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest boxers Australia's had. Um, so it should be a pretty pretty good fight, actually, and attract a lot of interest. Um, I'd expect Tim Zhu to win still, though. He's had a bit of a padded record, I think. They've been trying to protect him. And his record a little bit. He's 15-0. and 0, um, But I think this is his toughest test to date. But I think he, he'll get over um, Jeff Horn and really probably propel his name to the world stage a bit more. And Horn's, Horn's made, made a bit of a name for himself, obviously. Um, he fought Pacquiao a little yeah, bit. But he stepped up in weight division and um, lost to someone he never should have lost to, which by memory was... What you, can help yeah, me that was Michael Zarafa. So he got knocked out by him. And questionable rematch. And then got the decision in um, the rematch. But as we know, we probably can't read too much into boxing decisions. Well, and in particular that one, it was questionable whether or not the fight should have been stopped due to the cut on Horn. Um, and actually, there was quite a bit of criticism to the ringside doctor about that. Yeah, which is really par for the course for boxing. Correct. Um, I, th- I do think um, boxing's had that big shadow over it for a long, long time since the early days of Don King, to be brutally honest. Yeah, they're never going to lose that stigma. No. No, it's not going away in a hurry, is it? Uh, speaking of stigma... Um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. at the ripe old age of 54 and 51 are just having... Am I reading this right? <coughs> they've, they've agreed not to go for a knockout. That's correct. What, what is that about? I honestly have no idea. I'm, I'd be confident that the reason that clause has been put in there is so a commission will sign off on it. I don't think a commission would sign off on two guys with a combined age of 105 siding, fighting in a fully <coughs> sanctioned full rules match but I guess the other thing is too though if, the, if that's what they've got to do why couldn't they do something a bit more along the lines of maybe running a clinic or something like that and televise that into a mini series because to me it's a waste of time For a total waste of time really is yeah I agree look if they're short on cash I mean even we, we're going into another lockdown again not just here but probably other countries as well 
there's no reason they couldn't do video seminars and stuff like that and make a bit of coin off that. And you know they, you know they, they'll make cash because they're names. So well, obviously, a couple of names like that, they're going to draw money, aren't they? The the top end of town um, in LA, I mean, they'll there'll be an A-list crowd just because of who's there. But um, I don't think your actual boxing fans will be much interested in it. Oh well, Mike Tyson could have been fighting the late great Kimbo Slice. Um, and they get a crowd because it's Mike Tyson. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, bottom line, no, yeah, that'll, the name speaks for itself. So uh, he'll, he'll be able to make money no matter what. Tyson oh, that's right. Yeah. And I think too, everyone's seen the videos that have been getting around in the last few months of Mike Tyson training, and he still looks really quick and sharp, and he's still got the power. But <coughs> I mean, it's easy to look good in a thirty-second video every now and then, isn't it? Yes, very much so. And um, Jones has been, you know, he has been fighting up until a couple of years ago. What, what's his record? 66 and 9 or something, in, including a uh, heavyweight title in 2003. Who did he beat? John right. Ruiz. Yeah, he beat John Ruiz, Ruiz. in that. So he's, look, he'd, he'd be pound for pound one of the best fighters ever. Um, but when you're 51. Um, you really can't hang your head on that when you're walking into the ring, eh? uh, especially when you're fighting a 54-year-old. So, look, it's going to create interest and it'll get pay-per-view guys or whatever they, whoever they plan on promoting it and broadcasting it, but it's just a glorified sparring session, really. And is that what this exhibition coming up against Silver is going to be as well? Well, yeah. Roy Jones Jr. has started talking about <coughs> maybe fighting Anderson Silver in a boxing match after it next year. But, look, Silver's stayed quiet. I I think I haven't seen him come up with anything around that. So I don't know if it'll have much to it. Yeah, I don't know. You can't really... You can't really take that sort of thing seriously. It's like being... like being half pregnant. Well... (laughs) Is it... You can't be, you can't be half pregnant, or it's like yeah. you know, like dancing with your sister or yeah. something like that. Well, the, the other thing too, if, if that fight was to take place, a fifty-one-year-old Roy Jones Jr. is still going to make mince meat of Anderson Silva in a boxing match. I don't care what anyone says. Um, just look at um, the fight between Floyd and Connor. You're going to get a similar result. Any quality boxer is going to beat any quality MMA practitioner in a boxing match. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of MMA, um, I see here. There's this. My very uh, unknowledgeable knowledge about uh, MMA. Uh, I see a thing here called Fight Island. Is that like um, is that like Fantasy Island with like Ricardo Montalban? And... Bit more entertaining. That, how, right? How does that work? So what they did is they actually went over to Abu Dhabi, um, hired an island there, and put on four fight cards. So we talked about a couple of them in the last episode, um, and they've finished up there now, and they've. Um, been back in America for their for their last card. Uh, do you want to run us through a few of the results, Tim? Um, look, uh, where, where we start? Uh, we've got. Uh, oh, look, you know what I like for these pronunciations, um, Woody. Uh, do you want to help me on these ones? Um, so yeah, for the vacant flyweight title, Figueredo beat Joseph Benavidez in a fairly uneventful match. Really, it was over. Pretty much before it started, Figueredo beat Benavidez with a rear naked choke in round yep. one. Yeah, if you keep going, I'll chime in on the ones I've actually seen. Yeah, no worries. So we've also got um, Jack Hermes, and he submitted Calvin, Calvin Gastelum. So that slides 
Gastelum well out of the picture um, as far as contenders go at middleweight, and Hermanson probably puts himself in the mix. Because he was in the mix to fight um, Whitaker at one stage before Whitaker had the abdominal um, issues. Yeah, and he ended up going the distance with um, Adesanya. <coughs> so yeah. he can fight, but Hermanson had the better of him. But that's why we love MMA, because it can be very unpredictable. Yeah. Um, then we've also had Fabrizio Verdum. He took on Alexander Gustafsson. <coughs> He's come out of retirement to go to heavyweight, and um, Verdum took care of him pretty easily in the and first round. I've seen round. that fight um, live, and I must say, um, very disappointing. Very disappointing. I would have expected it to go a bit deeper than what it did. Oh, but, I expected more of Gustafsson. Yeah, I, I thought that would be the result that we got, but not necessarily as quick as what it was. No, and that's Verdun's last fight on his contract as well, so we probably won't see him in the UFC again. Now, Woody, um, yeah, just give me a, a quick five-second rundown on the difference between Bellator and UFC. Um, UFC's got better talent, really. Yeah, that, That's the biggest Is thing. Bellator like your VFL and the... Essentially. Yeah, yeah, they, okay. Um, yeah. Like a second tier. Yeah, they are second tier, yeah. and they don't throw <coughs> as much money around, which they could, because actually their parent company is Viacom, so if they really wanted to throw their um, financial muscle around, they probably could. Yeah. Um, Isn't it like a West Coast, East Coast sort of scenario, though? Yeah, it really is. So Sergio Pettis, he, he fights for them. Now he's Anthony Pettis' younger brother. Um, he's gone over there now, and he's got the um, the featherweight belt. He he won that um, just on the weekend. Gone actually. Uh, sorry, the bantamweight title from Ricky Bandeas. So I mean, there's there's talent there, but just not as much. Yeah, look, it might be might be a good time um, to just briefly state the other results we had listed just before we move on to the next subject. Yeah, so I'll just go quickly through a couple of them. So Shogun Hua, he beat, beat Antonio Nogueira. Split decision. That's probably the last fight for both of them unless Hua just wants to fight up-and-comers. Rob Whitaker beat Darren Till, so he's put himself back into title contention. He's booked another fight against Jared Cannonier in October. Just one quick question on that one. Do you think that's Dana's way of putting a hurdle because he might be a bit fearful that if Rob gets another shot at Izzy that he might actually be successful this time around? Yep, definitely think so. Cannon is no pushover though, but yeah, it's a number one. Con- Till was no pushover neither, and Rob sort of was in control most of the fight. Yeah, he was. So Rob Whitaker's as good as anyone in the division, so there's no surprises there. Anyway. Just quickly, I think I said to you the other day, he reminds me a lot in some respects with his all-round game to the the goat in uh, GSP for me. Yeah, nothing, nothing at him stands out, and there's no obvious weakness. Either. No. He's just really well-rounded. And he can knock you out, he can potentially submit you, and he can also um, drag you out for a decision. And uh, uh, DC versus Stipe, who you got? Uh, I'm going Stipe on that one. I think he knocks DC out again. Again? For the second time? For the second time, yeah. It's a trilogy fight, but I think Stipe's just too good for him. I'm going to go the opposite way on that one. I actually think DC will... Um, throw a thing at him and go ground and pound and I don't think Stipe's defence will be up to it if um, that's the tactics that DC takes into the fight. And what about uh, Junior Dos Santos versus Rosenstrike? Um, I think Rosenstrike wins that one. <clears throat> Dos Santos hasn't been the same since he caught those couple of beatings from Cain Velasquez so Rosenstrike's on, on the up and I think he'll probably take care of Junior. Yeah, I don't have an opinion on that one. don't know enough about Rosenstrike's and what else have we got? We've got Pedro Munoz and Frankie Edgar. Yeah, I'm taking Edgar in that one. 
I love Frankie Edgar, so I'm not going to pick against him. And Yol Romero versus Yuri Jahal. Romero should take care of that one, do you reckon, Tim? Yeah, after a lacklustre performance against Izzy, when Izzy ran like a scared, I won't use the word, um, I do think he'd be smarter this time. Yeah, he's got a point to prove, I think. And the ladies, uh, Michelle Waterson versus Angela Hill. Got to go with Waterson, I think. Well, Waterson's last fight, I recall, was against JJ, and she went the distance. Yes, she got beaten comfortably, but she was tough enough to go the distance, so that's definitely JJ for me. Oh, not JJ for me, sorry, she, it's Michelle for me. It's there's no, no shame in losing to JJ, though. No, no, certainly isn't. All right, um, we'll move on to our next subject, which is a bit of crickets. Cricket. Obviously, uh, I only well, I only know of one Test series that's been going on lately, and it's been uh, the West Indies versus England. West Indies started off well with a, with a couple of England's main players out. Uh, they won the first Test. But, uh, I think England they quite handily took care of the West Indies, so they should at home. Quite comfortable in the next two Tests. So normal service resumed there, um, and their great stalwart fast bowler Stuart Broad had got his 500th scalp. That was in the third test, was it? it that was in the last test, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he actually joined some pretty exclusive company there. There's only six other guys that have reached the 500 mark. So we've got Muralitharan at the top, 800 wickets. Shane Warne, second, 708 wickets. Anil Kumble, 619. James Anderson, 589. Glenn McGrath, 563. But he's got the best average out of everyone. Um, he... He was um, his average is twenty one point six four, which is one better than the next best, which was Murley, who also has an asterisk next to his, probably. Um, oh, probably a couple of asterisks. Can, well, considering who he played against most of the time, and a bit of a suspect action. Um, Courtney Walsh, five hundred nineteen wickets, and then Stuart Broad. He's now on five hundred and one, but he took a lot longer to get there than the rest of them. Yeah, well, I was also um, looking at some of these um, actual players, and a lot, I've heard, heard a lot of people trying to say Stuart Broad's world class, etc. Like that, I believe he's just a cricketer that's actually got the best out of his abilities. I don't necessarily think he was a world class bowler. Um, I just want to put an example of a guy that probably should be classed in the same league as these five hundred clubs, which is Dennis Lilly, who actually, if you include. The Super Test he played, which was 16 of them, which was in the World Series cricket, which was actually a higher standard than Test cricket at the time, he would have had 422 wickets from 86 Tests. At a, and um, his actual Test average from 70 Tests, which was 355 wickets, was 23.92. I just believe back then, you were lucky to play two series a year, one at home, one away. These, yep. these times, players get lots of opportunities. So they're, anyway. Yeah, they're all professionals. Uh, they're, that's what they do for a living. Yeah, so I would call Dennis Lilly world-class. Stuart Broad, no. As anyway, you said, it, Broad's probably not world-class, but, geez, you'd love to have a bloke like him in your side, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, I look at him more as... And I'm probably going to... I think Jimmy Anderson was the, is the star of the team. I think Broad's your stock bowler that you know is going to do something from the other end. He's a, he's a bloke you give the cherry to um, on a overcast English morning. To try and get your two or three scalps at the start. Yeah, exactly. All right, now it's time for us to have a look at the NRL. So I'll hand over to Woody to uh, start the discussion. Um, well, they've been back for about 10 weeks now, and 
To be honest, um, they haven't put a foot wrong. Um, they're getting crowds to the games now. There's a bit of a uproar of how many fans were actually at the last game. Yeah, it's always Touchwood, isn't it? Touchwood, they keep getting crowds. Um, the yeah, timing, this climate. They're, they're getting crowds there, and they're actually putting on a good quality. Um, uh, they, their their product has actually been really, really good. It has. Yeah. Like, there's been a few. Well, quite a few poor games in the AFL, um, but the NRL, their their quality's really good, um, and they're producing a good product. They haven't missed a beat, I don't think, um, and the season's actually shaping up pretty well. Very nicely, isn't it? We got the Panthers on top, and uh, and uh, Storm not far behind them, but the usual suspects are up there. The uh, the Chooks, the Roosters. Yeah, the Chooks are always there. The Raiders yeah. have been there the last few years, and yeah, the Raiders are, are really putting about. themselves in the mix at the minute as well. Well, the million-dollar question for myself, from you two guys, is um, Broncos and Bulldogs are horrible, but who is worse? I think the Broncos are actually worse. Yeah, I'd agree with that. They've been losing games by greater margins than the Bulldogs. Well, you just got to look back a couple of weeks ago. They led the Storm eight points to six, and then ended up losing the game 46 to eight. So yeah. they, they gave up 40 straight points and then offered no resistance from that point there. The dogs have looked okay at times. Uh, uh, with a, uh, they had a, had a big win in Newcastle in the wet. They did, yeah. and the Knights are actually looking pretty good. So yeah. that's that's a good scalp for them. Good win for the dogs. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, the Broncos did tail up the dogs a couple of weeks ago, but um, I'd still say the dogs are in a bit better position, even though they're both going to finish bottom two. Um, I'd say the dogs are in the better side. Yeah, I don't think you'd look at the ladder too much there. Just With the eye test, I just reckon the dogs are better. Yeah, but they're the top end of town as well. The Panthers are leading the way, as we said before, but um, it, it's pretty tight up the top. So the final series is actually going to be pretty good too. And it's going it's to be going to be great. They're, they're always good to watch the finals. And we're going to be having a State of Origin at the end of the season as well, which is... Oh, so they are going to play State of Origin yeah. football? Yeah, yeah. After, after, the series, after the season's finished. Lee. Going to play Origin, <laughs> and uh, unlike the AFL Origin, uh, people don't rest their bodies for the Origin in no, NRL. They uh, climb themselves. Yeah, the origin yeah, more yeah, so yeah. That's what that's what they want to play mostly. They'll, is, um, they'd much origin. rather come in underdone for the regular season games than the Origin games. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so we look forward to that. Um, so the Storm, well, they lost to the Panthers. Lost the Raiders, but apart from that, they've been pretty much flawless, haven't they? Yeah, they have. That looked really good, but um, the Panthers have only lost a couple of games. Uh, sorry, they lost one game, and they drew with the, the Knights in the first game back. Then the Eels toppled them, so they've only dropped a few points since the restart. The Eels have only lost a couple of games as well, so the top teams are really um, separating themselves, I think. Yeah, they are. and uh, Melbourne just keep finding players, don't they? I hope you're talking about Pappenhausen. Yeah. Jeez, he's good. He's, he's a good player, isn't he? And there's no one's going to catch him when there's open field in front of him. He is lightning quick. No, no. He, I think he, from my perspective, um, you're a bit worried about um, who was going to take over the fullback spot or if they had a successor for Billy Slater. But, yep. um, no, they, I think they found one just quietly. Just quickly, uh, Dally M leaderboard. Harry Grant is on top with Cameron Smith just one behind him. Yeah, I thought Nathan Cleary will probably be in the mix as well, but um, under the Dally M rules, he loses six votes because he's missed two weeks. So you get suspended, and for each week you miss, for the first suspension, you um, 
you lose three votes each week. So he's actually a big reason why the Panthers are on top. Um, so these these loss of votes will probably cost him in the end. All right, we heard that, Bell. What have we got next, T? Uh, we've got the USA Sports, and I think we'll start off with a bit of the NBA so far since the return. So, Jeremy, if you want to enlighten us with a bit of information. Uh, well, just some late results, because there's games every day, so... We can't Which is really, not a bad thing. Yeah, we, can't really, we can give you a few results. But uh, uh, of note, the uh, the Lakers beat the Clippers by two. The Clippers were missing probably the two best bench players. Uh, uh, actually, the two best bench players in the league. Oh, with good reason, though. With good reason. One, one went out with chicken wings. <laughs> and now he's, in, he's, now he's in isolation for a bit. I, I say chicken wings. I won't say the other reason he went out. They, uh, from all accounts, they are good wings. They're very, very good wings. Um, Houston, are, Houston are going all right. They've, they've won a couple of games by just abs- by just tossing up like forty threes a game. And if you're tossing up forty threes a game and you make twenty three of them, you're going to be hard to beat in any game. Yeah, but so, what happens when that plan fails? If you if you miss and you're only shooting at fifteen percent, because they've got no plan. Well, you only have to you only have to look at the. Um, not last year, the year, I think it was 2018, the Game 7 against Golden State yep. at their home floor. They missed 27 three-pointers in a row. Uh, <clears throat> if they'd made a few of those, they probably would have won it. So. Yeah, I was watching them today. Yeah. The Trailblazers beat them today, 102 to 110. And just for the listeners out there, the Trailblazers aren't in the playoffs positions at the moment. Yes. Geez, they can do some damage if they get there. Yeah, the, La- the Lakers would be terrified of playing them. You would not want to play they, them first they, No, not at all. They'd want to play, they would want to play Memphis or, Memphis or New Orleans or something like that, wouldn't they? Yeah, but just back on the, the Rockets' style. So in their game today, it was in the fourth quarter. I can't remember who had the ball but from the Rockets, but they've driven into the lane and they've got almost an open path to the bucket. Yeah. But they've also got an open man... So instead of taking the easy guaranteed two, he's dished it out for the three pointer, which is missed, and that that's their style of yeah, play. Yeah, that's, that's how they three three pointers and layups. It's that's pretty much their style of play, and they're and they're living and dying by it. But um, right. if, the, if the threes miss, they don't have a plan. B. I don't think that'll stack up in the playoffs. It's not a playoff style. When, it's, when the game slows down a bit, it's more uh, usually twenty four, <laughs> usually twenty second, twenty four seconds. And uh, try and try and get a good shot using your best player. Um, it's going to be hard and a bust. And rest, Westbrook could actually end up being the best player on that team by the end of the playoffs. I think he could, but I don't think that you can win a championship with Harden or Westbrook in your team. And they've got both, so I'm happy to put a line through them come the playoffs. Yeah, yeah they do. Hats off to them. Well, Harden's the biggest flop on the, <laughs> in the NBA. Does love a free throw. He loves a free throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 76 has lost to the Pacers um, on the back of 53 points from TJ Warren, who was traded for cash considerations. So he's, he's now named as CC Warren. Well, yeah. Uh, so, if... so, so basically the 76 has just let someone just drop 53. Now, can you trust him? I don't think you can, but he also <laughs> dropped 32 points against the Magic today as well. So yeah, and 35 the night before. So he's put up um, 110 points. In the last three games, and if Oladipo can find his form as well, they're going to have some pretty handy scoring power. Yeah, the East is a lot deeper than what you might think, actually. So, or a lot, a lot more wide open. I'm yeah, not, I'm not. I don't. Not 100% sold on Milwaukee. I, I reckon someone could get him. I think they can. Yeah, they're no, they're no guarantees to get through. 
to the finals. You know, Giannis is a beast. Yeah, we get that. And if he plays well, then most likely they'll win. But um, actually, he played well the other night. Um, and they out-rebounded the Rockets by 29. And, <coughs> and the Rockets shot 40%. But the Rockets still beat them. So Well, that's the thing too. Giannis needs to fire for them to be a chance. And if you look over in the West with the Lakers, um, who have actually sewn up the um, West now. Yep. Um, They've got, obviously, LeBron and AD. So if they both fire, they're going to be hard to beat on any given night. But well, that's what the, the playoffs are about. Um, they're about your best players and what they can do well, with their the supporting that... cast around. And um, so that's why it ends up being all these teams in the last four or the last two each, each year. Not very often you'd see a very even team well, getting a, into the conference finals yeah. or the finals. Being Actually, a bit of a novice myself, watching the Lakers' last game... Um, was interesting. Like AD was just unstoppable in the key. Like they just had no answer, mm. absolutely no answer. And then he steps outside and hits a three pointer. Correct, it? multiple ones. But and what is what's impressed me about him just while we're on it, his um, actual average at the strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he'll knock him down. He's got a much better average uh, than uh, his team. He's he's uh, star teammate at the. At the free throw line. And LeBron's that, had his trouble. That's why I've got question marks over the Bucks as well, because the Lakers have AD and LeBron, um, and the Bucks have Giannis and that yeah, Middleton got, and Bledsoe. They've got Middleton. They don't, they don't have you quaking in, in your boots, do they? No, that's right. Middleton and Bledsoe, handy players, but yeah. if they're your third and fourth best players, you're probably in a good spot, but when they're your second and your third, you're probably not going to be in the tournament. Yeah, no, yeah, Milwaukee would want to do okay. They wouldn't want to get knocked out early because uh, Giannis is coming up as a free agent soon. No, and just from yeah. my perspective as well as a Magic fan, we're looking likely to um, make the playoffs. But um, yeah, yeah, I, Isaac, yeah I, don't, I don't think you can drop out. No, we can't. But they Jonathan need, Isaac's they, uh, had a the Wizards, there. the Wizards need to get within four games of you to even force a playoff. And, and I, I think they're about seven or eight. They're, they're so. seven or eight. But yeah, Jonathan yeah. Isaac's out now. He's done his ACL. So yeah, well, sad news for that bloke because he—that's he, his second ACL that he's done, isn't it? Not his second ACL, but his second serious. Second injury. serious knee injury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, and it, and these games are these games are well, they're all just semantics really until the playoffs start, aren't they? Well, yeah. no one's playing for home. But uh, if you watch the games though, the what the games are played in a pretty good spirit. There's a pretty good atmosphere. You know, you can see late in the regular season, the players don't seem to care a lot. There's they just sort of go through the motions waiting for the playoffs to start, but it's really competitive. They are taking this seriously. Yeah. And I like it. I like um, I like hearing the sounds, the squeaking of the floors. I like the, hearing the teammates yell for each other when they when they score or something like that. So not having the crowd there has has its advantages as well. You don't lose anything visually. No, definitely not. No, no. They got the screens there with the virtual with virtual crowd in there. That that's nice, but um, you you could probably take it or leave it. All right. What about the NFL? What's going on? Um, probably the biggest news out of there is um, Jamal Adams. He he wanted out of the um, New York Jets, and he's got his way, Jez. Yeah, he did. Uh, he kind of found him found his way to Seattle, uh, which is a really good get for them. Their defense. Um, oh well, they haven't really got any big names in the defense it, anymore. It needed help. Uh, yeah, it did need it did need help. One of their Achilles heel. They were, they would they'd win games. They'd win a lot of close games, and those close games would be on the back of their quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson, you can rely on He's him, but you can't really rely line. on their offensive line or their defensive no. line. Just for the novices out there, what position does Jamal Adams play? He is a corner, isn't he? No, he's a, a safety. safety he's right, a safety. Yeah. He's probably one of the best safeties in the league. So yeah. the um, the Seahawks have done well there. They've given up a fair bit for him, but 
I think it's what they needed because they they give up two first round picks and a third round pick, um, which is good for the Jets because they're in a bit of a rebuild mode and they're building a young squad. And the Seahawks are in a Super Bowl window, so they get a player that may actually propel them to that. Yeah, this is right. And uh, Joey Bosa from the Chargers signed $135 million contract, $102 million guaranteed. Uh, won't be any preseason games, which is fair, fair call, I reckon. They want to probably start as late as possible. Um, players have reported in for training last week. And um, and the the Patriots have four players to opt out of the season. So It's up to eight now. Eight, eight players have opted eight out. Play, uh, um, eight play, yeah. I actually think that might be part of a plan for them. They're in a rebuild stage with Brady uh, moving on. So I think it might be... A bit of a strategy from them to say to a few blokes, if you're not sure, then don't play. Yep. And then, you know, they might get by winning only four or five games and um, throw some draft picks to someone else to move up and have themselves Trevor Lawrence. All right, just before we get on to the break, lads, I think we better tackle the NHL and the MLB very rapidly. Uh, not much to talk about in the baseball. Um, there's just too much of a disparity in games played between some teams, so... You look at the National League East, for example, the Mets and Braves have played 12 games each, the Nationals have played eight, and the Marlins and Phillies have played four. Um, that's on the back of the Marlins having 14 players test positive for COVID, though, so there's a lot of post-game. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, they'll catch up, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not, not going as well as what the NBA is. Oh, and quickly, just on the NHL, you've got the playoffs, you've got the West and the East. Who's the candidates in each? Um, so yeah, they're playing a bit of a seeding tournament at the moment. So in the West, there's Las Vegas, Dallas, St. Louis, and Colorado. Um, so they're, the West is playing out of Edmonton, and the East are playing out of Toronto. So you've got the Flyers, Bruins, Capitals, and Lightning there. And my pick would be for the Lightning to probably um, lift the Stanley Cup. They've been the best side for the so last Lightning, few years. So Lightning versus who in the Stanley Cup finals, do you think? Uh, I like Dallas, Dallas to be honest. Yeah, I, was I say like, Dallas. like Dallas. No worries. Well, we're going to head off and have a break, and when we return from our break, we're going to discuss all things AFL since we last spoke. Catch you very soon. subject of AFL and in particular we're going to have a bit of a chat about the COVID-19 breaches and probably have a bit of a focus on the Collingwood Football Club. So Jeremy do you want to start off that conversation? With the Collingwood Football Club well um, I don't know, I don't know. They, uh, they they breached of course should they have got should they have got the punishment that they got do you think? I personally think they should have got more than just a fine because I think they put the whole competition at risk mm. um, and the money that the AFL have lost already and the potential of losing what money they were probably able to project for the remainder of the season for actually getting some form of a competition back, Collingwood really place the whole 18 clubs at a huge risk by doing that. Okay, when you punishment though, do you leak like more money or can you punish them, punish them in other ways perhaps? I would have given um, Buckley and Sanderson a long holiday. 
Yep, yep. So you could throw in things other than more remuneration for uh, for yeah. their for their punishment. Um, yeah, that's a fair call. They probably need to be held held to account, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And look, even under the current um, sort of setup we've got with games, a fourteen day sort of suspension to quarantine, etc. That they could have missed three or four games. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been a huge deal for the club. No, no, no. No, exactly. And there was other breaches as well, and they. What do you? I don't think they were as quite as quite as major as this one. No, there was a few other. Obviously, Cochin's misses, and yeah, that's right. So you had Cochin's wife at Richmond, and then you had Carlton <clears throat> Hawthorne, and I think there was another club. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Um, there were more breaches by family members, which I think you can probably excuse a little bit because um, there might be a bit of a lack of communication there. Cause it's not the AFL's obligation to tell the family members what they can and can't do. No. It should be up to the players to say, all right, <coughs> we're going to the hub. If you come with me, these are the expectations. Um, but as far as the Collingwood ones go, you've got the senior coach and the senior assistant coach um, organising a game of tennis and then inviting someone from outside the hub to come in, which, as Tim said before, puts the whole competition in jeopardy um, if someone contracts it. So Alicia Mollick coming, if she passes that on... Um, Sanderson and Buckley have still been attending training and mixing with the players. Exactly. Well, then Buckley and Sander are not just culpable to the AFL, they're culpable to the state that they're in I mean, as well. As, as players, you're putting other players at risk anyway because, let's face it, it's a physical game. So... Oh, but inside the, the hub, you would expect that the testing regimes are pretty good. So it's actually a safe environment. But the issue is when you bring someone from the outside inside, yeah, that's right. As soon as you've got that breach, you are treading on thin ice. Yeah, it's why they had those laws there to begin with. Yeah. But it makes um, Eddie Maguire look like a bit more of a goose than he normally does, um, given how outspoken he was about the other clubs breaching. Yeah. And now he's got... <laughs> oh, you're, telling, you're telling me Eddie softened his stance when Collingwood is Apparently he has, yeah. So he what? came out and said... Well, knock me there with a feather. I know, it's hard to believe. So he came out and said in the other breaches that we've got to take it seriously... If if players breach or someone breaches, we just put them on the plane home and send a message to everyone else. But what Eddie Maguire forgot to say at the end of that was for every club except for Collingwood. Yeah, if it inconveniences the Collingwood Football Club in any way, then we shouldn't have to do that. Well, the funny the funny thing is, um, every time you think oh, Eddie's good for the game, all of a sudden that um, conflict of his role in the media. And his job as the um, chairman or president, or whatever it is he calls himself, at Collingwood these days, it, that's where it was it's really highlighted. Well, that's the thing. I think he used to be good for the game, and he used to be good at good for Collingwood. But has <coughs> has he overstayed his welcome, and is his foot too much in the media camp? No, it always has been. I think that um, we've just taken as read that he's. So he sort of conflicts with his with his work. I'm but, just glad he doesn't call Collingwood games as much as what he used to when he first had that conflict. Well, yeah, he's actually a decent commentator when Collingwood's not playing. Mm. But um, <laughs> there's obviously the conflict of interest there. And with, he makes his living getting paid by the media. So he's got to have these opinions. Mm. But if that's where you want to be and that's where you're making your living and you want to have these opinions, maybe you need to step aside from the Collingwood role. Exactly. And look, while we're on the Eddie bashing, let's just acknowledge that um, our thoughts and love and wishes, etc., goes out to Eddie and his family with the passing of his mother. Um, 
It's always sad for any family. Yes, sir. Sorry to hear it. Now, um, while we're on the subject, the ladder, how much more is it going to change? Um, I think most of it's probably set in stone. Um, The Bulldogs, who knows what they'll do from week to week. They could be the best side or the worst side week after week. You just don't know. But, uh, oh, what do we got? We got Essendon and Collingwood fighting it out, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know Essendon. I don't. I don't think there's much to talk well, about. Who, who have they beat of note? They beat no. Collingwood by a point, and they've also lost to Carlton, so those things cancel each other out. And I think so, yeah. They, they haven't really beaten anyone of note outside that. And they catch up games with Melbourne, so even if they win that, that's another game that's not of note. Yeah, that's right. And they, yeah, yeah. And they, got, got to, they actually got to win that to even get a, have a chance of getting in. Uh, but the Bulldogs are on tender hooks. So are the Giants, really, with... With their amount of outs that they've got at the moment. Yeah, Toby Green out doesn't help That's them. That's huge. That is huge. He's been in really good form. Well, he's in the discussion for best player in the comp. That's who he is. So. Yeah, yeah. So missing him, um, <coughs> they're going to have to come up with some other ways to score goals. and Some other ways to maim opposition players as well. Yeah, that's right. And, and so if someone's going to drop out, who do you reckon it is? And then who, who jumps in? I'd say Bulldogs and Collingwood in. Yeah, I reckon so. I reckon Bulldogs and Bulldogs drop out, Collingwood in, and that's about your eight, I think. And yeah. that seems to be a popular choice of the switch too from a lot of other media sources as well. Yeah, I think it's fairly straightforward. I, I honestly don't see a scenario where Collingwood actually misses out on the eight. No, I, I don't either. They'll, they'll, they'll be getting some soldiers back soon. And as far as TV ratings is, goes, and that's what they're after, I suppose, you, know, you need Collingwood in the finals. With the current climate. With the current climate it is, Absolutely, yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, time to move on to our next topic, which is one of our regular um, topics that we have each week now. We've sort of sort of morphed into our Mount Rushmore, starting off originally as a GOAT segment. And one of Woody's um, connections away from this podcast, is, who's also a listener, has posed us a question. And what was that, Woody? Well, he wanted to know who we thought were the best... Um, redheads that have played AFL and also the best redheaded sportsmen that we've seen. So Jeremy and Tim found that amusing and thought, you know what, let's make that uh, segment in the Mount Rushmore. Um, so they've gone and run with that. So do you want to give us yours, Tim? Yeah, I'm quite to start off. Um, I'll actually put it in um, order as far as your George Washington's your best ever, all right? Now, the best ever ringer that I've seen, or redhead, or person that's um, colour challenged, <laughs> I would say is Jason Ackermanis, um, just from X Factor, Brownlow medalist, triple premiership player. I mean, I know that's a team side of things, but the guy was half the reason they won some of those tighter grand finals anyway. A bit stiff not to have a Norm Smith. Probably, or a couple, even. Um, then he's captain, Michael Voss, same um, scenario. He's got the Brownlow and the three premierships. Uh, Dustin Fletcher, 400 games and two premierships at Essendon and very consistent from day one. He probably could have gone another year when he retired. That's sort of how good he was. But he would have been 65. <clears throat> Correct. And for me, which will be a left field one um, compared to the other lads, is Keith Gregg, North Melbourne, dual Brownlow medal winner in 73-74 and 75 premiership player. And an absolute brilliant wingman to watch play. Well, there you go. Well, I'll take I'll take this one. We'll save the Reds for last, eh? Won't we? <laughs> um, 
obviously, uh, obviously, it's uh, Tim McGrath, Cameron Ling, Barry Stoneham, and Neville Bruns for me. <laughs> obviously, yeah. no, no, I'm only joking. No, no, um, I'm, I'm going to go with Ackermanis, Brereton, <coughs> Voss, and Dustin Fletcher. No, I think that they're pretty obvious. They stand out amongst. Yeah. They stand out amongst the, the entire lot there. And Neville Bruns made his name on sort of headbutting a fist anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare he bloody go and just whop his head into Lee Matthews' fist like that. Well, uh, as, as the resident redhead here, I think I might bring us home with this. Um, so I'll say Fletcher and Voss have been mentioned mm-hmm. by the other two. Um, Adam Cooney as well. I'll throw him in there. Um, just purely based on talent. Um, he got struck down with major knee injuries and he was never quite the same player, but he won the Brownlow in 2008 and that is as good a season as you'll see for anyone. <coughs> he, um, he was very good that year um, and probably would have gone on with it for a few more years if not for his knee issues. And I'm in agreement with Tim as well about the best the best player um, to pick from here in Ackermanis. Um, I think he was the best player of Brisbane's three-peat era. Um, you had Michael Boss, obviously, who who was the tough, hard-nut leader. Um, and then you had Simon Black, who added the class. And Ackermanis had both of those, and he also had the X-Factor. Um, and a bit disappointing that he hasn't been able to pick up a coaching gig somewhere, which is what he's wanted to do. But... Um, clubs are a bit scared to go near him, I think. Yeah, I think. I think uh... Just on Ackermanis, there's not too many guys that can suddenly kick five goals in a grand final and actually walk the walk and talk the talk, which he's done. So. And there's also not too many blokes that can kick a goal from 55 metres off one step on the boundary and then five minutes later do it on the, on the opposite end. opposite flank with the opposite foot. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, he's a bit he's a bit maligned, but uh, I loved him as a footballer. I loved watching him. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, he was entertaining. Uh, I, I, I do think the only one glitch on his career was, in the end, the mouth caught up with the ability on the field. I think he sort of probably... Was it, was it the mouth or the people reacting to the mouth? No, his form dropped. He, towards the end, his form yeah. dropped. Yeah, his form did drop a little bit. I remember in an interview, he acknowledged that one day. Um, and he said, well, at the time, I was making more money from the media than I was at the Bulldogs, so... Um, he obviously declared his allegiance from that point on. Yeah, that's right. But, I, I mean, end of the day, it did catch up with him. All right, so part of this segment was also a request to name, as um, Woody said earlier on when he came into, into it, was the best all-round sort of worldwide sports start with the ringer. Now, for me, it was Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. He's 25-2 and two at WrestleMania. Uh, he dropped his first one to Brock Lesnar and he joined the WWF slash WWE in 1990 and he has been the foundation of that organisation since then. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a stalwart, isn't he? Yeah, he's the go-to man for Vinnie Mac. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, in, a, in emergency break glass and yep. bring out The Undertaker again, but he's been going for so long. Um, I'm not sure how long, much longer he can go on. But you're never really retired as a wrestler, are you? So no. You can you can't you can't really say that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Woody, uh, what do you? Who's your best? Um, I'm going to go with Paul Scholes. Um, played at Manchester United forever. Um, just the perfect box to box midfielder. Really, 
Um, bit underrated by a lot of fans um, who don't hold him in as high regard as I did or a lot of players that he played against. Um, Zinedine Zidane was regarded as one of the best players of his generation. Um, he was asked in an interview one day, what's it like to be the best midfielder in the world? And he said, I don't know, you should probably ask Paul Scholes. So if it's good enough for Zidane, it's good enough for me. No, that, no that, that's a good one, actually. Yes, he's, he's right up there. Um, I've got, uh, I'm, going, I'm going to cricket with mine. Uh, that's South African redhead fast bowler, Sean Pollock. Um, he's a very, very, very good bowler. Uh, average, average 23.1 at his best. 32, 32.3 with the bat. Jeez, he could wield the willow as well. Um, and in true ginger style... He's actually rubbish as a commentator, so he's, uh, look at, he's uh, really living up to it, <laughs> living up to being a ginger. So, no, 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 he was an absolute gun, Sean Pollock, and um, uh, he probably should have, probably should have won more with South, South, South Africa with regards to tournaments and whatnot. Okay, okay, okay. All right, we're up to our next segment. Thanks, Jeremy, for that uh, Sean Pollock antidote. Antidote? Yeah, anyway, I... A good nomination, though. A good nomination, it I think. Quali- it was quality. It was, it was left quality. field, yeah, yeah. And he's closer to world class than what Broad is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, our next segment is the old regular one that we've got now called Straight Down the Guts, and that's when the listeners fire us with questions and I fire them at the two lads with me here, and they give me a pretty quick snap answer, no more than a couple sentences. Now, the first one is from another podcaster and friend of uh, my two colleagues, uh, Clayton Morrison, and that comes from Facebook. And he's asked, and this is quite, could be quite controversial, should women athletes be paid more than what they're getting paid now, I think is what he means, not more than guys, just more than they're getting paid now. So would he go straight away? I'm going to keep it very short and say when they start generating the money, they can get paid that money. And uh, yeah, it's the same with me. Supply and demand. Um, okay. Um, a quick question on that one. Just while we're at it, women's tennis, right? It's pretty high profile. Should they be getting paid more? Should they be getting paid the same as the guys? Well, they're getting paid the same now, which I think is a bit ridiculous because they only play three sets at the Grand Slam. So, course, so. if you want equal money, do equal work. Yeah, this is right. I could, could wholeheartedly agree there. All right, cool. Oh, well, funny enough, that little question leads into the next one, which is from the same character, Clayton Morrison from Facebook. And he's asked, who is the greatest male and female tennis player, or players, it should be, um, from the last 20 years? Uh, Jeremy. Obviously, Federer. And um, you could probably throw a blanket over the... No, it's definitely Serena. Okay. That's right. Serena stands out amongst the women, and then you can throw a blanket over <laughs> a few for the next best, but she stands above them. Yeah, she's. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Federer is the best of the last 20 years, but in five years, when you ask me this question and Djokovic is retired, I'll probably say him. Mm, big call. Big call, but we'll hold you to that if we're still podcasting in 20 years' time. <laughs> now, um,. Yet again, another question. It must be Clayton Day. Uh, Clayton Morrison on Facebook has asked us, who is the most underrated NBA player? Most underrated NBA player? Jeremy, you might as well go first while yeah, you're it's, 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 
Really is it really is a tough one. I can't really think of it off the top of my head. Um Okay, I'm gonna say Cole Lowry. Who's he play for? He plays for the Toronto Raptors. <clears throat> uh, okay. He's probably their best player. Alright. In it and they won the championship last year, so Oh, so he's better than the best player that left? Uh he's their best player as as the uh side currently stands okay. right now. Thank yeah. you for that clarification. Yeah. Yeah. Woody. Um <coughs> Actually, haven't prepared for this one. Um, I don't mind Jeremy's nomination. Um, I'm going to say Drew Holiday, actually, from the Pelicans. Okay. But I think he he doesn't get he plays the both, recognition. Plays he both sides of the board. He Drew. plays both sides, and he's regularly putting up 20 points. So I'm going to stick with him. Cool. All right. We just need quick answers for the rest of the questions because we're losing a bit of time uh, on this segment. Should fans celebrate championships, premierships in COVID-interrupted seasons? That's from Braden Crocker on Facebook. Of course they should. Yep, absolutely they should. Awesome. Uh, if Queensland hosts the AFL Grand Final, which... Yeah, if, if Queensland hosts the AFL Grand Final, which state will be most annoyed? Darren Ros, Roswell, Rosal, Facebook. Uh, probably WA. Because they have that big, big shiny stadium there that they'd like to use. Yep, I think most Victorians are resigned to the fact it's not going to be here. Yeah. Um, and WA have got got the Optus Stadium, which I think is probably the best stadium outside the MCG. So, oh man, I'm happy for St Kilda to win it in Brisbane anyway. All right, uh, can, can a team currently outside the top eight in the NRL or AFL have an impact come finals time? And that's from Michael Briffer on Twitter or at Briffer under slash. Michael, um, and just before you go, I think we answered the AFL one. Jeremy. Uh, the, the AFL one, sitting outside the yeah, so yeah. I think we're in agreement that Collingwood's probably going to yeah, be the well, one I think to jump up that's, from That's pretty area. obvious, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, what do you make of the, the NRL? Does anyone take your fancy from there, Jez? Uh, it's difficult to say. Um, I think uh, West Tigers can probably get it together. Uh, mainly West Tigers and the, the rest I can draw a line through, I think. Okay. Um, I'm happy to draw a line through all of them. I think um, the top eight's probably going to stay as it is. All right. Final question, and it's another Michael Griffer one. Are the 76ers contenders or pretenders? And I think he's may have flirted with that earlier. Yeah, don't trust them, pretenders. Yeah, put a line through them. They can't, you can't trust them enough. So. Are they the Western Bulldogs of the NBA? Uh, probably not a bad comparison. Yeah, good comparison, yeah. Awesome. All right, now we're up to winging it, which is basically our prediction segment, and uh, Woody's come up with that name, and I think it's quite fitting. And uh, basically, it's where we put out a prediction and let you know... Let everyone know what we think, and sometimes they're ridiculous, sometimes they're accurate. Woody, can you just go over where we're at um, on the one so far? Yep, so the first three previous predictions we've put out there. Um, Jeremy said it would be an all-LA NBA finals when we thought we didn't know what was going on with their finals makeup. Yeah, it's obviously put not across through now. that, right? Yeah. Put across through that. Um, Tim... Said that Liverpool will lose four games, still win the title, and Man United will finish top four. I think we can give him a tick there. Um, Liverpool lost three. Three and drew one. And drew one, and United finished top four, so we'll give him a pass mark there. Um, 
I said Baker Mayfield would throw for 33 touchdowns and the Browns will make the playoffs. So that's, that's a going. long time before we'll it's even a, know what happens. Long time away, isn't it? Yeah. Um, next up, Jeremy said that Man City would remain undefeated for the rest of the season. Um, and I think they went they, close, but they lost. They went close, yeah. but I think a couple of days after we recorded, they lost. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so we, I don't, I don't well. Great prediction there. Nothing not across there, Jeremy. I think he might be setting a trend here. I think um, Tim said that Carlton had beat Essendon by thirty plus when we didn't know what was going on with their players and COVID. Carlton won by a point, so. Bad luck there, Tim. I got the win, not the result, not the Bad margin. Luck. Not good enough. Okay. Um, I said Jacob Wiedering would make the All-Australian team at the end of the year, which I think he's on track for. So we'll wait and see what happens there. And then last outing, Jeremy said the NBA season wouldn't finish, which I think he might be wrong again because yeah. they look like they're going all right. They haven't had a positive test for a long gun, time. Gun great guns, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it just depends if there's any Never say never. Any more trips out of the bubble? That's yeah, yeah, but I, I think they'll be pretty right there. Um, Tim said Queensland to host the AFL Grand Final. So that's another question mark, but yeah, I good. reckon he's probably going to be pretty much on the money. And my other prediction was the Celtics to win the NBA championship. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with my prediction. Being a Lakers man, I hope you're wrong. Anyway, so with that being said, do you want a ticket... Kick us off with yours, Jeremy. I've got um, I've got the Penrith Panthers finishing on top, getting to a prelim and losing to the Roosters. Very specific. Mm. <coughs> what else can you get on that? <laughs> yeah, yes, I'll have to go through sports bet. <laughs> so finish top and lose the prelim to the Roosters. Yep. All right, then. There'll, there'll be question marks if you get that right. Get on there, boys. If that comes up, I think he's made amends for his other three. I think so. All right, yeah. I'm going completely cray-cray on this one. I'm actually predicting the Crows get their first win of the season against Collingwood on Tuesday night. The Crows. I don't think it had happened, but we'd all love to see it. Correct. Um, I, yeah, nothing I'd love to see more. My no. heart's probably more in it than my head, but I'm <laughs> saying Crows can beat the Pies mm. at Adelaide Oval next Tuesday. Well, the Crows are playing at Adelaide Oval as we speak. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're not guaranteed. They're still in it, so they're, they're a chance. Only a couple of goals down. A couple of goals down, so you never know. If anyone's going to drop a game to Adelaide, though, it would be Melbourne. Melbourne it would will. be very demon-esque, Don't wouldn't you it? worry. Um, I'm going to go to the NBA for mine and say that the Bucks will lose in the second round of the playoffs. Cool. Very good. That that would just just one step closer for Giannis coming to the Bay, mate. Well, look, that's a big chance, isn't it? If they, yeah. if they bomb out early, yeah. I think he might be giving Steph a bit of a call. Yeah. He says he wants to play with him, so... No, Let's well, see. Yeah, it's, it's not unlike Golden State to build a super team. Yeah, well, this is right. right. That's what we do. We're on to another regular segment now um, that we've decided to introduce, which um, was actually... A, a, it grew out of an idea from a listener, didn't it? Yeah, so Darren Rousel, who's hit us up on Facebook as well, um, he said he wouldn't mind hearing a um, betting suggestion from us. 
each episode. So we've entitled this epi- uh, this segment of the episode every week, every episode I should say, as it's only money, and we will put out a single bet each that we think people should jump on. And if you want to put it together in a multi, good luck. Um, and matter of fact, we're thinking seriously, and we'll report back next um, podcast on actually throwing a bit of cash at our um, bets. So do you want to give us one first, Woody? Um, yeah, I'll go to the NBA for more, and I'm going to play it safe first up. Um, I'm going to say, we'll give you a three-leg. So the Jazz to beat the Grizzlies... The Sixers to beat the Wizards, and then um, the Nuggets to take care of San Antonio. And what will that pay? Any idea? Oh, it won't be much. Okay. Um, so two dollars forty-seven for a three-league multi. That's not bad. I'm going a similar route uh, with the NBA. I'm going to have uh, Utah Jazz to beat the Memphis Grizzlies at a dollar forty-three. Uh, Philadelphia at a dollar sixteen to beat the Washington or what's left of the Washington <laughs> Wizards. Um, also, just keep your eye on Oklahoma City Thunder playing the Lakers at, at three dollars. They are they're playing an LA team that have already clinched number one seed, uh, so they may not care as much. And OKC are actually playing good ball as it is, so uh, that's paying that's overall that's paying about five bucks. Okay. Well, my apologies to Darren because I haven't put together a multi. I've just got a single bet. And I'm looking at the A-League next Tuesday night. Oh, I don't think it's next Tuesday night. Anyway, check. No, it's Saturday night. Sorry, I apologize. Saturday night, yes. And I've decided to put some money on Perth Glory by two or more goals against the Victory. And that's paying $2.70. And look, the way the Victory are travelling, with no Thomas now that he's overseas, they've been bleeding goals. Um, so I would say get on it. I reckon a fiver would be well worth your money. Anyway, guys, we're now um, at that stage of the episode where it's time to say our hurroos. And just before we do go, I'd just like to give a bit of a plug to Josh Watson, who does all our editing for us and puts it together into some form of a professional um, episode, I think, with his music and um, whatnot that he adds to it. Thanks, Josh. And then, and then, yes, thanks, Josh. And the music that Josh provides is from the artist Zaggy... Two, and I quite actually like the um, intro and outro music, so good on him. And um, in the future, stay tuned because we're considering doing a special on the world game, which may focus mainly on where the A League's at um, and whatnot. Like that so stay tuned, stay on the social media, and have a bit of a look at that. How can they reach us on social media, Woody? Um, you can find us on Twitter at NPO Podcast. So there's been a bit more activity on there recently, and you can also search for us on Facebook. Just type in NPO Sports Podcast, and you should find us there. Awesome. So it's Huru from myself, and from me, and from me. See you guys next episode. Stay tuned.